You're listening to the You Don't Know Me Yet Podcast Network. Hello, world. Welcome to Go On, Say It. I'm your host, Jamie Kigundu, on the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network. Available wherever and however you get your podcasts. Make good choices, people. Make good choices. I grew up in a household where, like most of you did, our mothers had very specific things that it felt like they all got together in some sort of a club and repeated the same kinds of mantras to us all. I assume mothers today are still doing these basic things like telling your children to make sure you wear clean underwear. Make sure you wear clean underwear. Make sure you wear clean underwear. I know that somebody out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then the, you, you got to a point in your life where you started to ask questions. Why? <laughs> Why do I need clean underwear? And, and most of you heard something along the lines of, you could get in a car accident one day, and the doctor <laughs> is, you don't want to be in the hospital with dirty underwear. <laughs> and my thought as I aged was, I don't want to be in the hospital, period. <laughs> right? But so I had to imagine a scenario where the doctors come together, they're looking at your x-rays, Oh, we see a ruptured spleen. Uh, you know, we see uh, a, you know, the spine has these different uh, uh, fractures. But oh my gosh, this guy's got dirty underwear. <laughs> and then the whole hospital knows that you make bad choices. <laughs> so, so along the lines of that theme, understanding the importance of the warnings of of making good choices and how how clearly good choices, including choices in fashion, are critical. They make an imprint on our minds and those people who we come across. I thought it would be great to have a specific uh, guest join us today uh, by the name of Big Smiley. So Big Smiley is a native New Yorker. He's a University of Houston graduate, former Big Ten, I'm, I'm sorry, former Big Fashion brand model former assistant fashion editor for hip-hop magazine named The Source. So for those hip-hop junkies out there, if you know um, your history, you're very familiar with The Source. Uh, he also spent a decade at XXL Hip-Hop Magazine, uh, where he would go on to change the structure of the fashion and lifestyle editorial world. Um, Smiley has ties to the entertainment world uh, actors, athletes, entertainers, and the like. Um, he's worked with companies such as Nike, GMC, the NBA, Supra Footwear, uh, Supra Footwear, Rush Media, the NFL, MLB, and Reebok. After leaving XXL Hip Hop Magazine, Smiley branched out to mobile gaming where he found success. Um, Big Smiley would go on to chase his Hollywood dreams to become a filmmaker, producer, writer, and storyteller. As you can tell from the early warnings, uh, that are, we received as parents. Smiley has made lots of good choices in his life, including in the world of fashion. Welcome to the show, Big Smiley. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me, man. I appreciate uh, it. Absolutely. Have I ad adequately described you and your background? Uh, pretty much on point. Yes, pretty okay. much on point. Okay, great. Uh, Smiley, we do something really interesting on this program, and we're going to circle back to this at the end. But every guest on this program has the opportunity 
to name the episode that they're on. So as we go through various things in relation to you, let that you know marinate in your mind. We'll come back to what we want to name this episode. Okay. So uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind introducing a person with such a fantastic uh, name, Big Smiley. Give us the origins, okay, of where that name comes from. Uh, way back, way back since high school, the high school days. So uh, I'm on a basketball team. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a junior on the varsity team. I didn't play so much, but I was in the rotation. Uh, and every time I would score, I would score under 10 points a game. It wasn't much. I wasn't the basketball superstar, but I did okay. play. I was, I was pretty good. Okay. Uh, every time I would score a basket, whether it be a layup or a jump shot, I would smile. And every time I come down, play defense, get on the offensive end, I'd score, I'd smile again. So that after a few games, it kind of caught on. Like your trademark. So, <laughs> right, so we're in the lunchroom. And the cheerleaders started teasing. They go smiley. They go <laughs> So I was feeling, you know, I'm happy the cheerleaders now know my name. Uh, sure. But now that I'm in the locker room, the, the guys are teasing me. Oh, yeah. So then now the whole school, when they see me, they point and they go smiley. They go smiley. <laughs> and then that stuck because after high school, I went on to play basketball in junior college, upstate New York, uh, in Cobleskill. Um, and a lot of the, my high school graduating class went to the same junior college. Okay. So when I went to the junior college, no one really knew my real name. So my high school uh, classmates would still call me Smiley, and all the new kids were like, why they call you Smiley? And it just stuck. And then Smiley just grew from there. The legend, the legend grows. Yeah, this this yeah. is like your Batman origins uh, yeah. story. Smiley and begins. It went from Smiley, and then later on in like 2001, when I got around, uh, first came into entertainment, mm -hmm. they, people, friends, they added the big on it, and then you get big Smiley. I feel like a lot of stories from New York have that just great origin of, of community and, and there's always some tie-in to some event that happens at, a, at an early age. Do you think that's because um, the condensed living style in New York where every, every small thing actually is magnified on a larger scale? or it, it, it just seems like there's so many great stories that come from the East Coast of that nature. Right, but then also, yes, you're right. But see, my, my real name is Chris. Mm -hmm. So in high school, there was a ton of Chris's. Sure. So then it came, it became easier. And even in college, there's a ton of Chris's. So it became easier. If you acknowledge me as Smiley, they know who you're talking about. Not okay. like, okay, which Chris, which Chris? Or if, you have, if your name is Mike or John, you know, the normal names. Sure. So then it became, you know, and, it, and it's organic when your friends or people give you the nickname as opposed to, you, you know, you self-appointed yourself. Prince or whatever. You're, you know. <laughs> so uh, no, it's, it, I like it, I like I, I I grew into my name because it was organic. They gave it to me. I embraced it. They made fun of me at first, but then everybody like, oh, that's a cool name. You know, after a while. So. Sure, sure. So so, what kind of a, a kid were you? And were you a kid that was very fashionable um, from as far back as you can remember, or was there some, you know, event that drove you towards fashion at an early age? 
well, I was always in the sport, sports. So that's all I cared about okay. since I was six, football, football, basketball, sports, sports. And then uh, I went to private school for until the seventh grade. And then when I went to my junior high school in seventh grade, now you got all these kids being bussed in from all over Queens. Mm -hmm. So that's when it kind of hit me. I didn't become fashionable in the seventh grade, but in what I was wearing and what they were wearing, two totally different things. And, you know, they would look at me like, you know, I was, I was cool, but as far as what I was wearing, I was an outcast. Okay. I wasn't wearing the cool sneakers. I wasn't wearing the cool hoodie or hat because I was coming from private school. You know, you kind of taught a little different when you're in the private school. And uh, then when I went to high school, it was a whole new ball game, right? You had to have the Nikes. You had to have, the, well, Jordan's actually just came out. So that was kind of the new thing. And it was the original eight ball jackets. And it was, you know, all of that. If you didn't have that, you weren't cool. So then I, I grew into being fashionable because of everyone that was around me. And I wanted to fit in. You know, it wasn't peer pressure, but it was peer pressure. <laughs> sure, sure. You know? So very similar, uh, Smiley, in our in our household, we, we had a multicultural upbringing. And so being introduced into um, more of the urban uh, school systems was new for us. I, was, I remember being on campus and everybody, you know, was wearing their, probably at the time it was Hilfiger and uh, cross colors and things of that nature. I was wearing penny loafers <laughs> with an actual penny in each shoe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, that that uh, that experience was a bit different for me as well. I can identify uh, specifically. Well, you can relate to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I also understood something that most people maybe don't know about you. You went on and played football in college as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so two sport athletes. So, so tell me a little bit about how that happened. I mean, that, it, that was amazing. I mean, I played basketball uh, in high school and uh, junior college. Um, but, you know, I, I, I didn't grow. I didn't have my growth spurt to like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I'm six feet even. Okay. So when, when, when you go into basketball camps and, you know, different organizations you see all of these guys are so humongous like you know what i'm good at basketball but i'm not that good um but i've always played i played football since i was nine years old so uh when i went to the university of houston um i felt at home when i'm on the practice field and amongst all my my peers and it was amazing that was one of the most the best i've traveled all over the world but being in college at University of Houston and playing football for the Cougars and the friends that I've met at U of H is undeniably the best experience I've ever had. Wow, that's saying a lot. And going, yeah, and going, when you, you know, when you get on the field, you get this, you get your chest out like, oh, I'm playing football. I've been playing football since I was nine. I'm going to tear it up. <laughs> when you're in college and you're on a D1 level, Everyone's faster than you. Everyone's bigger than you. It doesn't matter where you come from. So you humble yourself. That's right. Really quickly. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Like 
It's like uh, everybody wants to be a gangster until John Gotti walks in the room. Like, you know what I mean? That's so right. I want to be a football player, and I'm that dude until you walk on the field. Like, wait a minute. I'm not as fast as I thought I was. Hold on. <laughs> Trying to check myself. So um, playing football for the Cougars was so much fun. So much fun. It, it was amazing. And a lot of, not a lot, but a good two handful of friends that I met at, at, at U of H, I still talk to right now and hang out with right now. So, so help me make this transition. How does a kid going to school in Texas end up going to New York to work in the fashion industry? How does that happen? Well, kind of in, uh, in entertainment in general, Mm-hmm. It's really about who you know. And me being from New York, I'm from Queens, grew up in Queens. Uh, a lot of people here in New York were happy that I was going south to like, you're going to actually get to play football. You're going to be on that level. Boom. And then now when I'm down there, I try to make the best of it. And kind of you realize how the seasons go. You kind of realize, OK, I'm not going to the league. So, so when the NFL to, called, you told them no. <laughs> right, you know, NFL, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to pass. I got something else. Yeah, I'll let you know if I change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, in, 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 in college, uh, you have your senior day, you work out, you run, you lift, right. you do your drills. And I did good, but I, plain and simple, I wasn't good enough to go to the league. That's plain and simple. Fair. You know, there was a lot. Of, it was a lot of guys on my uh, Cougar team that did go to the league. I'm happy for all of them, and, and they, you know, they did well. Um, but it wasn't in the cards for me. The universe said, "I got something else planned for you." So then, but yes. Yeah, so after school, I went back home. Okay. And you know, when you're when you're finished college, even though it, whether you graduate with a degree or not, when you get home, you're sitting there in your, your room, like, okay, now what? Right. Not, not, no one gives you that script. While you're in school, you have a schedule. You know when to do this. You know when to do that. You know when study hall is. You know when practice. But when you're home, it's like, all right, we're, we're grown folks now. What, 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 what are we going to do? Yeah, don't so go I, to the mailbox because there's just bills waiting. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first thing. Go to the mailbox. There's a new bill and a new bill. <laughs> Got to figure it out real quick. So, um, you know, for like I say, got a, a good year. After school, I was trying to figure it out, which most people at school are trying to figure it out. So I'll tell you a story of, I guess you could say luck, right place, right time, mm-hmm. and how it all started. I went to, I was home one day and I had a five o'clock shadow. I didn't really have a haircut, but I was just rumming, rummaging around the house. And I had a friend from Texas and she was working at a clothing brand in Manhattan, in here in New York. And she called me and said, Smiley, I'm in your city. I've been here for like two months. I've been meaning to hit you up. Let's go to lunch. Now, me and her are like super cool. We're just friends. So I said, yeah, let's let's go out to lunch. I said, wait, let me go get a haircut. She said, no, I don't have time for that. Just come, just come. Boom, I got on the train and went to the city. I met with her to her job. We went from a job, we went to lunch. Talked about old times back in Houston, all the fun we had and all our friends, what they were what they were up to. We came back to the office. So she had to get back to work. So I gave her a hug. So I'm about to leave. So as I'm leaving, the director of marketing 
called me back. So I went back and said, hey, how you doing? He says, uh, he, you know, he's just standing there. He's just sizing me up. Like, you know, somebody like sure. size you up. Yeah. But he's just checking me out. And I'm like a little uncomfortable. Like, why is he like really looking at me? Sure. And he said, he looks at me and says, have you ever modeled before? So I look back at my friend. I'm thinking she put him up to this, you know, because we yeah. joke around all the time. So she did like this. So I said, uh, I've never modeled before, but it would be cool. And then a girl handed him some clothes. He said, put this on. So I went in the back. I put it on. came out. He said, that's perfect. He said, how would you like to do a fashion campaign? So I'm still thinking he's fooling around. You know, this is this is not possible. It's not happening to me. Sure. So I still look around. He says, I'm for real. How would you like to uh, to be in, a, in an ad campaign? And then he said, we'll pay you $2,500, right? So to a lot of people may be listening who are in the industry, 2,500, that's nothing. But we're talking about in 1998, all right? This yeah. is 1998. I left you. I left University of Houston in 96. So this is 98. So 2,500, like I'm, I'm not really working. Yeah. <laughs> sure, let's do it. He said, okay, be here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Bet. Boom, I come back the next day. They got the big travel van ready. All the clothes, the stylist, the makeup, everything. So we drive. I do a photo shoot. Next thing you know, I'm in the ad campaign. Wow. So that kind of started me in the industry. And I kept getting modeling gigs after that, not just with them. So that, the, the name of that brand, for all of you, I would say, I don't want to say old heads, but uh, veterans out there. Sure. Seasoned. It, it was seasoned Mecca listeners. USA. It was Mecca USA. Oh, yeah. If anybody remembers Mecca USA. Sure. That was the brand. Shout out to Emmett, Nick, and T-Bone. They're the ones that put me on to my first entertainment gig ever. I still speak to T-Bone to this day. Shout out to T-Bone. So, yeah, that's so, how I got started in modeling. Yeah. So I was once watching a movie called Zoolander with it had starring Ben Stiller. Mm -hmm. And I could have sworn I saw you on Zoolander walking <laughs> walking the runway with the male models <laughs> uh, practicing your blue steel face it was, am i wrong I, I was not in that yeah movie. you were okay okay I was not. <laughs> you were not the first person to tell me that though. okay okay i got a twin i got a twin out there somewhere. you got a twin out there okay yeah. Uh, well, if there's a Zoolander too, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll make sure we we uh, yeah we gotta we, make a phone call. We push you. <laughs> so so help us make the transition now. You're you're modeling, mm -hmm. you're you're doing different uh, campaigns. Mm -hmm. You um, are are getting more ingratiated into that space. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what's mm -hmm. the next step for you? What happens from there? So I'm modeling. I'm doing runway. I'm doing print, and you're having the time of your life. You actually are not looking past today. It's just how it is. Sure. But I was watching something about another, uh, some about business on CNBC way back then. And you always use your, where you're at as a stepping stone to the next level. And that always stuck with me. So I'm trying to find angles, you know, in New York, you're always trying to find the angles, see the next step, see what's going on. Find your niche. So at the time, modeling was fun and it was very lucrative. We were making, I was making money. We were looking good. And then I tried to figure out what the next step was. So what happened was 
I did a photo shoot for the source. The, the um, fashion editor had called me, said, we want you for a photo shoot. I said, you don't want me today because I'm in Miami. She said, no, when you come back, the shoot is the following week. So when I came back, I called, when I came back from Miami, I called her and she gave me the call sheet. So I came to the photo shoot. It was a fashion spread. So I went to the photo shoot and I met her for the first time. I was like, wow, she's pretty cute. You know, so me, I'm I'm modeling all over the place. So I think I'm that dude. You yeah, know? you just fly. <laughs> Absolutely. Is it any other way to look at it? Right, you know? right, right, right. So I'm not going at her, but I'm flirting a little bit. Not real. You know, I'm just testing the waters. Sure. So I'm just flirting, but I'm but we're on set and I'm changing and then we're on set again. Did you say, by the way, I'm a model. You hit her with that one. <laughs> you might right. not know this about me, but right. I'm a model. <laughs> I'm trying not to be too cocky because okay. she's the one that hired me for yeah. the job. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be cool. Mm -hmm. So then I'm getting dressed and she's standing there. She's not looking, but she's on the phone. She's over there. She's on the phone. But I'm over here changing, but she's on the phone and I could hear her. And she's upset because her assistant is about to go find and go start another job. So I heard her and whatever she said on the phone, she's like, geez, and you know, she said some other words, but she said, I need another assistant. I need to find another assistant, assistant fast, right? And she hung up the phone, she turned to me, she said, are you ready? And she brought me on set. But as we walk into the set, the flirting stopped. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'll be your assistant. But I was joking around. I said, I'll be your assistant. She said, really? I said, sure, how hard can it be? So I went on set, did my shoot, after the shoot, it was cool. A month later, she calls me. She said, hey, this is Joanne. Remember me from Source? I said, of course I remember you. She said, would you still like to be my assistant? I said, absolutely. What's up? She said, come tomorrow. Come to the office tomorrow, 9 o'clock. And that right there started. I was the assistant fashion editor at the Source. Wow. And that's how I got started in fashion on the other side of the camera. Okay. Right. So I started in front of the camera and then now behind the camera and working with her for a few months, you realize it's more, it's, you, you get more bang for your buck when you work behind the camera. <laughs> sure. Right. There's yeah. more money to be made behind the camera. You call the shots. You're the guy. You well, know, and you see that in music as well. in other industries, when you see the artist that actually starts to slip into the production side. And, and they see, you know, you hear, even hear it in different songs about seeing how that money grows and it's just a different ball game. So that's now you're experiencing that other side. Absolutely. Just like so like in music, mm -hmm. all you want to do is just get on the mic. All you want to do is hear yourself on the radio and all you want to do is just be heard. But then after you do that and you start learning the business, then you want the other side. And sure. that's what happened to me. I'm Now I'm on the other side. Now in my head, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I didn't even want to model no more. So now I'm behind the camera. So she's at the source for a little bit. Then she leaves the source. So when she leaves the source, I'm just there thinking, okay, am I taking over? But then the source brings someone else in, but sure. they bring their own people in. When you know, when there's a change of the guard, they want to bring their own people. Yes. So I had to leave the source as well, but the source was a great starting point and it was a good experience. Um, 2001, March of 2001, April 2001, Joanne ends up at XXL Magazine. So she calls me, she said, you want to come over here with me? I said, absolutely. 
Smiley, before you continue, I just want to, for those people who don't know, because XXL and The Source uh, are publications that we grew up with. There's a, there's a whole new audience, my friend, that, that's listening to this story. Talk about yeah. the impact of what that is, and then if you could get back to where you just left off to where you were, you had just joined XXL, or right. where Joanne had just joined XXL. Tell right. us a little bit about what the impact of what the source was, and then what XXL was. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, now in a day and age of everything digital, the kids, well, not really the kids, but people in general, they want it now. You type in something, it comes up now, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're on a digital website or a digital magazine, if you put a story up, it's up on the site. But after 15 minutes, you're already in the archives because they put up a new story and then a new story. And you're archived so quickly that you got to just type it in the computer, it comes up. Back in the late 80s and the 90s, the book was... It was the law. It was, you know, you had a book in your hand. It was tangible. That was it, right? But you had to wait for it. It came out every month. It wasn't instant. Mm -hmm. So it made you the anticipation of what's going to be in the next issue. What's going to be in the next issue. So the the source started late 80s, and they had a great run, and they did their thing, and they had the Source Awards. And the source talked about the hip-hop culture, right? Music entertainment, sports, business, but in the black community, right? That's what they did. And there was no other magazine at the time like that. Okay. So the source was the end all be all. And then here comes little brother, I would say, double XL came along late, uh, late 80, no, I'm sorry, late 90s into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. That's when double XL came. And then you could throw the vibe in there. At first, Source and Vibe were battling. And then the vibe went on their way and did mostly like R&B music and alternative stuff. That's what they were focusing on. And then when Little Brother came along late nine, uh, late late 90s into the 2000s with Double XL, and they were hardcore, everything hip-hop, everything hip-hop. And the iconic covers of the Source and Double XL and even Vibe. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, both. Magazines had different iconic covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time when I left the source, the source was on the top of the pyramid. Yeah. Double XL was just starting out. So now I go to Double XL with Joanne. In 2001. So what is ironical is that the very first issue of Double XL, Jay-Z, it's a split cover, Jay-Z and Master P. Those are the two hottest at the time in uh, 98, 99, I want to say. Okay. Give or take. I think it was late 98, early 99. It was a double cover. That was the very first issue. I'm in that issue from the photo shoot I mentioned of my very first photo shoot, modeling uh, uh, wow. of Mecca. Wow. The ad, ad, it was a double page ad. It was in the very first issue of Double XL. So, how ironical is that? That's crazy. Very crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to fast forward. So I'm at I'm at Double XL magazine, mm-hmm. April 2001. So I'm working with Joanne. I'm working with Joanne throughout the whole summer. September comes. Everybody on the planet Earth knows what happened on September 11, 2001. Sure. 
It was insane. I was there. I was not there. I was in the city, though, when it happened. And it was unbelievably. It, the, the scenery was insane. We had tanks, military tanks driving down in Manhattan. We had all the military with the AR-15s walking around in the city like it was nothing. So that was a trying time. And I say that to say the fashion editor at the time, Joanne Wang, her parents lived out west. And from what I recall, they wanted her to come back home out west. They wanted her to leave New York because 9-11 happened in New York. So everybody's frantic, you know. Sure. So as the story goes, Joanne, she packed up and she went to be with family because family wanted to be around family at that time, you know. Yeah. Um, everybody was scared at the time. So um, I guess you could say I use tragic for my success because when she left, um, the managing editor at the time, Paula Renfro, which is an amazing woman, she gave me my shot. She says, I see how hard you've been working these months that you've been here. We have a shoot coming up. Let's see how you do and we'll talk about the rest of your future. Okay. So now I have no, no idea. Pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> So I don't. So you know, I'm at first. I'm an assistant, so I can lean on Joanne. So I could just, I'm just chilling. Yeah. I don't have to come up with concepts. I don't have to come up with the models. I don't have to come up with anything. I'm just doing as I told as an assistant. But now when Joanne left, now I got to put on the big boy pants. Now I got to call all the shots. Not only that, is this my very first one? The managing editor's watching. The publisher's watching, mm. the associate publisher's watching, the editor-in-chief is Everybody's watching to see what I'm going to do now that Joanne left. Okay. Um, I hit a home run. Bottom line, I hit a home run. And then I was there for the next 10, 11 years. <laughs> man, that's great. Do you remember what that first one was, that first shoot, when you were the, yes. man, the man in charge? What, what was I it? Think, I don't think you could forget your first shoot. Okay. Um, it was like a full fall winter theme and the theme was like cognac the color of cognac okay so i had to get jackets and outerwear similar color to the cognac to drink right mm -hmm. so we made the cognac we had leathers uh i think we had a fur we had a light jacket we had we had some really cool models and when it came back and we looked at blue lines everybody said yo this is amazing this is great and then from there I stayed at Double XL. So yeah, that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so the relationships uh, that you were able to form in your position while you're at Double XL. Uh, so I know that there had to be a business side of the relationships. We talked about you know your work with companies such as Nike, uh, and some of those. So some of those relationships uh, that that you automatically uh, have to create. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the relationships with the, on the celebrity side. How, how did that come into the equation with, with your journey and with your profession? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. But, let, but let's go back just, just a little bit, just okay. a little bit. I just want to explain. When you talk about the business side, business side is like associate publisher. And, and the publisher, they always think about bottom line, right? Advertising, advertising, right? A magazine survives on advertising. And when you do advertising, you actually make promises to the advertiser that you're going to do something for them. 
not only just put them in the magazine, but give them some added incentives. Okay. So on my end, I'm creative. The fashion editor, we're doing fashion, we're doing lifestyle. We're, we're creative back here. So I had to learn real quick the dynamics of the business side because I could have a story that I want to tell fashion-wise, but I got, you know, the associate publisher, publisher coming at me. Well, you got to put this, this A, B, and C in the, in the fashion and lifestyle section this month. But to me, it doesn't fit in what I want to do. But they're saying that because they have money riding on that, and that determines what I'm going to do with the three brands that they want me to put in. Sure. So I got to find the fine line. Plus, even though they run the magazine, my name is connected to that story. So if, Jamie, if you pick up the story and you see Big Smiley at the bottom, but you look up, you're like, what is what is going on? Why would he put this in there? My name is on there. My name is on the line, my reputation. Sure. So I had to, to play the line of business and creative and make it work for both. So all parties are happy, you know. And how, how difficult was that? Uh, it was because if you're the publisher and you made a deal with a brand in Egypt and they give you 25 grand for the open and spread of double XL and you told them, I'm going to make sure you're in the lifestyle section, but their product is terrible, right? Yeah. We have... We have our consumers and our readers who think that we're end all be all with the Bible. What we say goes. But if we're putting up a product we don't really believe in, but that's not your issue. You're caring about the bottom line. I'm caring about it doesn't fit. Sometimes you just gotta do what's best for the team. Sure. You gotta take one, you gotta take one for the team. Or you gotta dress it up in a way and you gotta find figure out what's cool. How do you how do I make this cool? And you just find a way. You find a way. So were there scenarios where a brand would want uh, a certain celebrity associated with their with their endorsement? So, for example, like a Sprite, okay? Uh, let's say the Sprite wanted to pay the uh, publication for to be on the cover. And, and as a result, they want Beyonce or some other, you know, Khalees or somebody in, in, uh, in that area scenario is that something that you would ever be faced with or, or or would you have to get like just models off the street for that portion of the ad well that that scenario kind of would not happen if they wanted let's say a beyonce to be in the sprite then they would have to that's on their end they would have to create the ad campaign okay and then it would be an ad inside the magazine Got right it. now as far as brands to go back if you want brands want it to be associated with just artists or, 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 or entertainers in general, we can't promise that. So in, in fashion, what I would do is if you're a brand, I said, Jamie, I'm going to take your, I'm going to take that vest and that collar shirt and I'll make sure it goes in fashion, but let me see what kind of talent we're going to get. You know, if we're going to get outcasts, you know, the, the, I don't know if anybody, if your readers know who Outkast is from Atlanta. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite like, sure. Big boy and Andre 3000. I'm just using them as an example, sure, right? Sure, They're two different styles, right? Yeah. But if I had them for fashion, I could have your vest and your jacket there and present it to an Andre 3000. That's more like his style than big boy is more like 
this style. Sure. You know what I mean? And I can present it to them, but there's no promises. Because it has to be organic when it comes to the artist. But now if I get an, a regular model, model has to do what you say, no matter what. Right? right. So it's very hard to pinpoint a product on an actual uh, uh, actor or entertainer if it's not an ad. Right? You just got to show it to them. If they like it, then they wear it. So talk to us about that experience, though. So you, you go to a, uh, a Jay-Z or you go to a big boy um, with different items, and, you, and you're suggesting for a specific shoot that that's something they consider? Is that how, how that conversation unfolds uh, with you and your position at the time? Yeah, so when you're at the shoot, now you're not just a fashion editor. You're the stylist now. So you, you're, pulling, you're bringing out all the, all the fireworks, so you know their style, so you're trying to bring something that fits their style, and you hope that they like something up there. You know, artists can be a little finicky when it comes to how they dress, how their appearance is, you know? So um, if you've done your homework, then you will have something there for them to wear. Was there you ever know? a time when you just got it wrong? Everything you showed up with just didn't work for one particular person. And oh, you don't have few, to give us the name, but you could tell us a little bit about no, the experience. I, I mean, a few, absolutely, a few people. I mean, well, one photo shoot, when we did like a freshman cover of all the new artists that's coming out. Yes. They're just coming out. So you can present them a lot of different things and they'll just pick from what you have, which they'll like. We've done our homework and we know what who likes what. Um, I remember a photo shoot that I did and... I really, really, really liked the artists. There's two of them, but I really liked the artists. But I was forced by the by the higher ups who handle advertising that I had to put certain designers in this shoot. But it didn't go. The designers didn't go with the talent. And I knew the talent. And I didn't want to embarrass them by asking them to wear this, but my back's against the wall. The publisher's the one that cuts the checks. Sure. I mean, Bottom line. Know, <laughs> so um, the name of the artist is Jim Jones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of Jim Jones. I like his music. I just love him. He's a cool dude. But when we on set, I pulled everything out. He's like, yo, what is this? I'm not wearing this. He didn't necessarily beef at me. He was just beefing at the clothes and looked at me and was like, you really bought this for me to wear? But I was embarrassed. I, you know. <laughs> that's no. That's when you send your assistant in, <laughs> in to bring those clothes. Well, my assistant, to Jim hey, Jones. my assistant did this. Let's, let, let's leave him alone. <laughs> no, no, oh, he's fired. You won't see him again. <laughs> no, I took that. I took that. So me, Coffee, Nelly, we were all at the shoot, right? But I took that. He was upset. I took it. And I don't blame Jim Jones. That's, you know, he's, he was of status at the time, still is, but, you know, he's, he has his own style. And I didn't have stuff there that he would love to wear. I just needed to get it in the shoot. It was a business thing. Sure. But, it, you know, that's, but that's creative business. Cre sometimes I can make it work, and very little I run into issues like that. It was, it was not a good experience, but we... we we, we hugged it out. We shook hands afterwards when it was all over. You know, he was leaving, but it, it was, we, we had to work it out, though. Smiley, I've seen you everywhere with celebrities um, yeah. of, of every walk of life, and, and you're, you're yeah. very well respected and, and loved by them. And so I'm, I'm sure that Jim Jones harbors no 
ill will towards that experience. Well, as he, he might not even remember the photo shoot. <laughs> I he might not take your call today as a result <laughs> if that happens. Uh, so, Smiley, tell us a little bit about something that excites you about what you're working on now. Um, so, I left XXL and you could say 2011. And again, I'm trying to find my way because what I did was a special niche at the Mac, fashion editor, lifestyle editor, mm-hmm. right? Fashion, lifestyle, me and coffee back and forth doing the same thing. And uh, at the time in, in 2011, no magazines was hiring. Everybody was restructuring, laying off, and then the world of digital was coming. So um, Harris Publications, which owns XXL, was late to the party when it came to turning over to digital. Okay. So when I left, I'm trying to find my way. But on the tail end of XXL, I started writing. Uh, I'd I heard had that. A, huh? I'd heard that. Yes. And I had, a, I could say, an interest, an obsession with organized crime, with the Italian mob, the Russian mob. The uh, Irish mob, Yakuza, the triad, all this. I studied a lot, saw documentaries, read books, interviewed actual old gangsters. And I came up with projects that I wanted to create and write that was in my head. Um, And I actually kind of got some ideas of what I wanted to write from being at XXL, right? So at XXL, since you're, I'm the top fashion guys, I was able to manipulate what kind of photo shoots that I want to do and where I want to do them, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I had business in California, so I would go to the publisher and I'm like, look, this photo shoot's going to be amazing, but we got to shoot it in L.A. So boom, he sent me to L.A. So I'm able to handle other business and do the photo shoot as well. But one, one photo shoot that I really want to do that was to do a photo shoot of all the different organizations, we'll call them, right? Okay. So went to LA, met up with Big U back in like 2008. He brought me around the rolling 60s. I did a huge opening spread to my organization photo shoot mm-hmm. uh, of rolling 60s, right? Open and spread. We're in the '60s. We did we did a huge uh, photo shoot, and I'll send you some. I'll send you a picture of that open and spread. And sitting in the middle in the chair was Nipsey Hussle. Oh wow! Yeah, and he's in that shoot, and there's a lot of the, the homies, the real homies, sitting around him, standing around him in that shoot. So after that's that a powerful, shoot, powerful picture then. Yes, it actually is. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys. Maybe you guys could also put it up while, as I'm talking about it. And then um, we went to Nickerson Gardens, which is Bounty Hunter Bloods, which Kendrick Lamar and J-Rock, they're from, that's where they're from. So I had to get permission from the head guy to go over there to shoot, um, do a photo shoot. Then there was another shot. This is all still the same photo shoot. So I wanted to go, um, Shout to Esteban, the photographer. Uh, I told him what I wanted to do. He had to make a phone call for me. I wanted to shoot the Mexicans. 
in the barrio and one of the guy's backyard. But since they're all connected, they had to make a phone call to the big homie that was upstate. Now, at this point, you're ingratiated (laughs) very well into these relationships in order to get that that type of access. Okay, so so is that it was that nerve wracking for you at all to uh, Uh, to to put yourself out there like that? I wasn't nervous only because I know how to move. Right. And I say that in a sense, they was called they called me a hybrid. Right. I could be in the hood one day kicking it with the rolling 60s and two days later being in the office with uh being in the office with uh uh what's his name um i'm drawing a blank right now um with russell simmons i could be in the office with russell simmons talking business the next day but i could be in the street one day but be in the boardroom and talking to russell simmons about some other business the other day well i mean that makes you relatable Right, exactly. So when you're moving amongst certain kind of people, you got to show respect. If you show respect, they'll respect you back and you're not in harm's way. But if you go around the neighborhood acting like, yo, let me speak to such and such. And you, you know, your bravado is your chest is out. They're going to look at you like, really? What if you wear penny loafers with pennies in each shoe? <laughs> will, that, will that give me safe passage through the rougher Probably areas? <laughs> so, so they, no. They may give you a pass because no, they know you are not no, harmful. No stops in the Pinto for me. <laughs> barrio yeah. is the barrio is not my, my next destination. Please. <laughs> what happened? They got the clearance from the big homie that was upstate. The word came down. Esteban called me, said, we good to go. So now we go to the shoot, and we're in the homie's backyard. Now, we're in the homie's backyard. I promise you, it's like something out of a movie. I promise you. It's just me and Coffee, only two black guys. Esteban is he's Spanish. Everybody back there, Spanish. I'd say Mexican. Everybody's Mexican. I mean, there's a lot of them, right? And then at first glance, when you walk in, you're like, what am I doing back here? Like when you appearance wise, when you just look at them at first glance, sorry, you're thinking you're watching, you know, you're watching a David Ayer movie. Okay. You, you know, you're, you're just like, oh my god. So when I get there, they treat me like I'm just one of the homies. They don't even see color, right? That's Say, beautiful. yo, you want to drink, homes? Yo, get them a drink. Like we back there, we hanging out, mm-hmm. we do the photo shoot. They was back there playing dominoes. We were just talking. It was it was a great time. It was a great time. And it was no threat. Me being there in their space. So it went well. So, I mean, that was a little long-winded, but I, I did a, a, a big photo shoot with all, in, you know, all of the uh, organizations in L.A. Um, and that was one of the best photo shoots that I'd done. And I was able to take that and all the talks that I had with each organization mm-hmm. and they were able to give me ammunition to go back and write what I was trying to get on paper and they gave me everything that I needed and then from there like uh, the sky's the limit after after that photo shoot with uh, how I write now and just how you're supposed to think so you know I'm plugged in very much into the, the world of entertainment and sports as you might be aware 
and and I do hear buzzing about different projects, and so I, I'm going to brag on you a little bit, or, or or give you some information that you might not yet be aware of. But there's been a lot of buzz around the projects that you've developed and the writings uh, on different subjects and different genres uh, that you've developed, um, including what you're referencing in your time going around collecting uh, the information for that, the, the piece that you're describing. What do you envision doing um, with, with some of the scripts that you've written or stories that you're wanting to tell? Right. So, I mean, I've been writing for a while and sometimes you just write to write. But then during the COVID, it kind of all came together and it's like, okay, I got it. I know what I want to write. We're going to sit down during COVID. We can't go nowhere, stuck in the house. Let's just go for it. Let's just write, 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 write. So what I have now, what I wrote is crime drama is what I'm most comfortable with writing. I know it. I know the players. I know the dark web. I know how to maneuver. I know it all. Uh, so people that I admire their work, I don't know them, but I like the work that they've done. Mm -hmm. It's someone like Dick Wolf, right? Okay. Everyone knows the name Dick Wolf. You might not even know him, but you know his work. Way, way back from 1994, New York Undercover, that was Dick Wolf, right? Right. You got Law and Order, all the Law and Orders, but really Law and Order is three main ones, right? Regular Law and Order, Criminal Intent, SVU. That's him. That's Dick Wolf. And then if that wasn't enough, Dick Wolf goes on to do all of Chicago. Chicago Med, PD, and Fire. That's Dick Wolf. That's his, that's his format. And it works. And it's amazing. So when I'm writing my crime drama, I am going to take a page out of Dick Wolf's playbook. Not the content, not the subject matter, but the trilogy of it. So what I did was I created a trilogy of crime dramas, three of them, but each one stands on its own. They're their own show, but they fall under the umbrella. And that actually, for those of you who are interested in the world of um, creation and script writing, when you have a catalog that makes you more attractive for um, a production uh, a company and or a network to uh, acquire your properties or to work with you. So, Smiley, based off what you're sharing with us, I, I mean, I, I, in, I envisioning, you know, final destination points for what you're, you're describing, but, you know, All Black, Revolt, Netflix, Swirl Films, Showtime, um, Amazon, and of course, 50 Cent, who has some very successful um, productions that are um, showing on Showtime and now lives in Houston, uh, a New York transplant. I could see all of them being places where um, your properties end up. And so if I was a betting man, I'd bet on you. Uh, hands down, your, your story is fantastic. Um, and so, uh, Smiley, I want to ask you just a couple of questions before we close out this program. Um, any words of advice for somebody that's listening to the interview today? Uh, words of advice? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of advice. Um, um, it's not considered quitting if you don't stop moving forward, right? If you 
have a project, whether it be music, whether you're an athlete and you got turned down, or whether you're a writer like me trying to be in, uh, if you want to be in TV or movies and you get a no, doesn't mean you fail. Just go on to the next one. You just keep pushing forward. Keep pushing forward. And as many no's as you get, that should add fuel to the flames to make you want to work even harder. Not to be spiteful, but to prove those wrong that didn't believe in you. You know, no matter what, you believe in yourself. Go for it. That's great. You know, advice. be a shark. Go, go after it. That's great advice, Smiley. What are your social media handles um, so that people can uh, follow you and, and reach out to you? Uh, you can go to Big Smiley underscore twenty four. That is, that's the uh, that's the Instagram. Uh, everybody could also go to aboutthepeoplefilm.com to go watch the short film about the people. 28-minute uh, short that we won a lot of awards for. Coffee is the mastermind who wrote it. Um, those are the handles. And I'm going to go back just real, real quick. When you say, uh, when you listed all the people that perhaps that maybe I could work with, I'm going to throw a couple names out there that I would really, really love to work with. Sure. Uh, 50 Cent being one, I like what he's doing. He has like a gazillion different TV deals. 50, if you listen, I got a lot of ammo for you. And you uh, met 50 before. Yeah, me and 50, we did business back in the day when I was at Double XL. So uh, we've been out of touch just a little bit. So if we're able to reconnect, I'm sure we could try to do something. I have some great projects for him. Um, a partner, an old partner of 50 Cent, actually, Courtney Kemp. Courtney Kemp, uh, who's the one that created Power, she's over, she went over to Netflix now, and she's doing her thing. Uh, I think Courtney Kemp is a brilliant writer, and she's a great creator. And someone who's a insanely intelligent writer who will understand the projects that I'm really writing and creating is Chris Brancato. I'm going to mention his name, Chris Brancato. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. He's a showrunner for the first season of Narcos, and he's a showrunner and writer for Godfather of Harlem. Hmm. He's amazing. I mean, those are the three all people. All programs that, that I've loved, all of these persons <laughs> that you've referenced, I've, wa I've watched all of their, their shows, and, and, they, and they do great work uh, considering right. the circles that you move in, the similar circles that you move in. Uh, yeah. I suspect that their ears are buzzing and your phone uh, will be buzzing shortly. <laughs> by the way, by the way, if any of this happens, you got to write me in as the main character uh, on all of your stuff. <laughs> I never want to die. I want to be the best dressed. <laughs> you want to okay? role. I want to recurring role. I want to be the best dressed, have the most money, and, and all the accolades that go along with that. That's our deal. <laughs> I, I, I got you. And then I will write a role that's so natural for you. You could be counsel. You could be in-house counsel. Yeah, nobody wants to see a lawyer on TV. <laughs> not, yeah. if not Hey, well, hold on. Not if the lawyer is not supposed to lawyer is crooked. Ah. Uh, like, I, I got, I got I, this. Be a mafia concierge. <laughs> yeah, this. okay. <laughs> I see the creative juices flowing. We got we'll you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> um, uh, Smiley, uh, who would you like to see on this program? That one catches people off guard, so I'm gonna let you just matriculate for on, a second. On your program? Yeah, absolutely. Who would I like to see? Who would you like to see? My yeah. boy Coffee. Coffee oh. has a great story. You, 
You should definitely interview Coffee. Coffee, it is. Reach out to him. Okay. Um. Uh. We go with Coffee. Yeah, I mean, I have a hope. You. I know, you know your circle's vast. I'm asking you to delve deep into the. To you the know trenches. someone. You know who someone who would be a great person for you to interview is an athlete. Um, Larry Fitzgerald. He just retired. Okay. That's my guy. Me and Larry go way back, way back. Um. One of the most articulate people that you will ever meet. Super cool, intelligent, articulate. Anything you ask him, he'd be able to, you know, he's well-versed in everything. Larry Fraser would be someone good for you to sit down and talk with. I'm going to have to do my research for that and prepare Definitely. for that one. Yeah, Definitely. yeah, and Larry was a heck of a receiver. So, um, Smalley, our last question for you today is yeah. the one of the first questions that I that I asked you, what do you want to name this episode? Ooh. Well, I've reinvented myself so many times. From college football player to model to fashion editor to now screenwriter creator. I mean, I reinvented myself so many times. Um, uh, what can we name it? Uh, can I make a suggestion? <laughs> the reinvention of Big Smiley. Reinvention? <laughs> the reinvention of Big Smiley. It's so natural. You said reinvention three times. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I was trying to find a better word than reinvention. It's right there, man. Sometimes you just got to go with it. <laughs> right. The reinvention of Big Smiley. I mean, hey, if it works, then roll with it. If everybody in the studio agrees, then let's go with it. Let's see. Uh, everybody in the studio, we're getting thumbs up in the studio, man. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what I do hope to happen in the next year after I sign my deal, I want you to bring me back. And then you when I it. come back, you ask the questions. And we're going to replay some of the things I said because it's gonna, everything's going to come true of some of the things I said, talked about you and who it. I want to work with. It's going to come true. You got it. I have no doubt. And <laughs> um, when you are getting all those deals done, get a good lawyer who can pen those for you. <laughs> I have someone in mind. I know I, a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> I, I got a guy. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you again, Smiley. We really appreciate having you here. We plan to have you back to your friends and neighbors. Go on and say it. Have a good day. You're listening to the You Don't Know Me Yet Podcast Network.